Uh, there's another study that is starting to come up and emerge, more information is starting to emerge, where now it's not just the great resignation, but the great despair. So a lot of people jumped to new jobs because of money, because of the promise that it would be better, and they're actually regretting it. Are you in a leadership role trying to figure out how to convince others to change their mind? Have you ever wondered why is leading and influencing others so darn hard? Are you looking for practical answers to these two vital questions? If so, welcome to my podcast, Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper. I'm your host, Denise Cooper, and I am a storyteller. I interview thought leaders and people just like you who are learning and practicing the art and expanding on the science of leadership. Listen as my guests and I talk about what it takes to be a remarkable leader in the 21st century. Hi, everybody. This is Denise Cooper, and you are listening to my podcast, Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper. And this is where every week I bring you the best thought leaders in the area of leadership, career development, and managing your culture. That idea of culture and talent is changing because the way we're working is changing and the way we lead is having some nuanced changes that you really need to know about. So today, my guest is my good friend, Alicia Thrasher. This is a great conversation. If you're interested in becoming a better manager, here's kind of what you need to do. And I'm not talking about by level, manager level or anything like that. I think everyone who is in a position where you are leading other people, some part of your job has to be to be a manager. And so today you're going to learn the fundamental skills of what makes a great manager, but also the difference between managing and leading in hybrid, remote, and what we're calling resource constraints, like you don't have enough people on the job and how you can develop awareness about yourself and the impact that you're having on your team, how you can take your team and mix it up and figure out how you can bring a more cohesive team and manage the talent and the culture at the very same time. We're also going to talk a little bit about proven approaches to, you know, how do you manage these responsibilities from setting goals, clear goals with employees, to keeping people accountable when you're not spending as much time with them as you'd like, or you don't really want to become that dreaded micromanager. If you're interested in that, guess what? Sit back, relax, and let's take off. So, hi, Alicia. Hi there. Thanks so much for having me. Not a, not a problem. So let me give you just a couple snippets. You can find out more about Alicia in the show notes, obviously. But this is kind of what I want to tell you about Alicia. Alicia is the co-founder and CEO of Manager 360. It's a leadership development and software company based in Austin, Texas. But she's also just written, or she and her co-author, Joel Trammell, have just written the Manager's Playbook, Make Exceptional People Management Your Competitive Advantage. And today we're going to talk more about how things have changed. We're post-pandemic, we're seeing a lot of new things, and much of the research that was done before, we're starting to see a bit of a nuanced shift, and we're going to talk about AI and technology. And if you're in a hybrid and or remote work situation, this is the show for you. 
So Alicia, just for everybody else, give a quickie background on yourself so that they know as much about you as I do. Yeah, sure. So I've been leading people for about, oh gosh, 20 plus years. Don't do the math on that to get to my age. But I started out a long time ago, graduated from UT with an MIS degree, started out as a developer. So sat behind a screen all day and quickly realized that I needed to be in front of people. So I started leading teams and uh, in the IT space and have been doing that ever since started out at a big financial institution where I helped their legal and compliance departments. And then I moved into kind of management consulting where I led big projects for like eBay and PayPal. When they separated, we led their IT separation. Anheuser-Busch, when I worked directly for their CMO, building some big data software to help their VPs make good marketing decisions. And yes, they really do have Mm -hmm. beer taps in their break room. (laughs) It was kind of fun. And then I I worked for a cybersecurity startup here in Austin for about four years as their COO. And then I met my co-founder, Joel Trammell. We started Manager 360 about two and a half years ago, right before COVID. Didn't know COVID was going to happen. We started out, We Joel had several successful exits, and uh, he had written a book for CEOs called The CEO Tightrope, and then he also developed some software to help CEOs lead their organizations well. And so when we met, I'd been leading teams forever, he'd been lead, leading companies forever, and we decided to help managers. We felt like we could kind of do the most good through managers and their impact is kind of 10 times what the individual contributor can do. And it it was kind of lost that managers, uh, you know, they never receive any training is what we found. So we started out developing in-person training and we created a leadership system. So it's around leading people well, the fundamentals, kind of the three tools that managers have, management, making decisions, leadership building influence, and then coaching, continuously improving your employees, and then just the day-to-day work of the manager. So that's our full leadership system, developed in-person training, had our first couple trainings, and then COVID hit. (laughs) Great time to start an in-person training company, if you were wondering. Yes, Uh, yes. And, but we, you know, we weathered it well. We still trained over hundred and something companies during, during that time, all in person. And it really gave us some good time to have one-on-one conversations with managers and really figure out what their needs and challenges were. And so we developed software that helps managers lead their teams well, and it's in the Microsoft Teams platform. Mm -hmm. So so that's where I am today and how I got here. We also wrote the Manager 360 book called, you know, the Manager's Playbook, which helps detail our system. So, okay. So you've got a round, well-rounded tech and leading people background here, and you decided to center on managers and believing that, you know, if you can help that kind of middle management group, so we're talking supervisor to what director kind of level of the organization, you get a tenfold factor. Is that correct? 
You really do. And it's really anyone who leads people really needs to understand the individuality of, of their people and then also make sure that they are setting goals with their people. You know, that's a big motivation for people is understanding where the wins are and how I get across that finish line. And, and then just following through on your routines. So having one-on-ones is Uber important. I know that I have cleared up many miscommunication and, uh, <laughs> and before they became big fires, really. Yeah. So as we're thinking about this, you know, there's this, there's two conversations kind of going on now and clashing against it. One was the whole great resignation, which I think was fueled by people were just fed up and they had a lot of time to look at what I call the, you know, the cyberspace there, constantly telling them they can do something better somewhere else out of it. And so they began to realize that they can do as much with less. And what Mm -hmm. was probably more important was being at home when they could be. And of course, that's about 40-ish percent of the workforce in the U.S. that had the opportunity to work from home. But then the other 60% really had to show up every day. And many of those people suffered through quite a bit of of tough times during COVID. And for two years, managers really didn't know what to do. Um, And so people really did leave because the workplace wasn't what they needed. They didn't feel safe. The manager couldn't control. I mean, there's a lot of things, but managers were floundering because they were dependent on some of the old tools of face-to-face. They were depending on, you know, there was enough staffing to get work done, those kinds of things. And for many of them, that disappeared. What did you, how did you guys deal with that? And what solutions or tips can you give to managers who still may be in that situation? Yeah, it's hard. So what what we've kind of found too is when people go from the individual contributor role to a manager role, mm-hmm. they're often promoted because maybe they were great at sales. So the best salesperson, you know, sometimes companies decide, great, you're great at selling, so you should lead a team. That's not necessarily the right decision. They might be more effective for your company at saying at a salesperson and companies really need to evaluate managers as can you lead people well do you have those you know fundamentals and if not can we you know help get you training to do that so even well, let's if, say let's pause there first because I think okay. you know too often we gloss over the fact that it that those are two very different roles of and yeah. I'll just take your example of you know maybe you lead sales or maybe you're the you know the best in auditor and then we say oh because you're so good and you have so much knowledge you have the skills and abilities to lead others so what is the difference between an individual contributor and I mean not just the leadership stuff but you know, as you think about it on a day-to-day, what what are the things that we really should be thinking about? I know what I think about when I'm thinking about what the role is, but I'd like to hear what you've had because you guys have done some research around the difference between the two and what we should be hiring and training people for to fit in that role. Yeah. So if you think about kind of, uh, we talk about it as, you know, the three different tools that a manager has. Mm -hmm. So, you know, management, being able to, you know, make decisions, timely decisions, and then be able to communicate those. And then leadership, having influence. So you have to show people that you're competent, that you care. 
to to be able to lead them because otherwise they won't they won't trust you. And then also coaching. So you have to be kind of good at training or at least holding people accountable and getting them the tools and things that they need. So when we talk to, you know, different companies about how to evaluate whether an individual contributor might be a good candidate to be a manager, we think about, you know, communication. How are they with their communication skills? Uh, motivation. Do they understand how to motivate other people and, and understand how to, you know, really talk to their employees to figure out what their big motivators are? Because everyone's different. Mm-hmm. Uh, can they make decisions timely and effectively and communicate those well? So those are some of the things that we, you know, talk about. And you know, maybe that salesperson is a great salesperson, and you know, they're selling like crazy. So they should be able to lead a team and be able to train other people and be able to motivate other people. And that might not be their best skill. So we need to be able to incentivize great individual contributors and promote them in a way that, you know, they're still on the track of moving up in the company without promoting them into management where they might not be successful there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's talk about that transition, because I think that transition really is driving some of the issues that companies are having in terms of making their goals and productivity metrics as well as revenue targets on that. So if I were moving an individual contributor into a manager's role, I I use assessments that help me understand what the person's motivation is, how much they care about each other versus being a technical expert. So it's not all of those kinds of things. What would you say are some of the things that, you know, maybe the company doesn't use an assessment? What should they be, what questions should they be asking? What should they be thinking through as they look at their succession planning of a person going from an individual contributor into a manager role and from a manager role into a director role? Because they're all three of those are three different skill sets. And and you're exactly right, because going from individual contributor to leading a team is very is a very different mindset. So you're it's not we use the Santa and the L's model. So, you know, it's not like you're you're Santa now and you just have all these helpers. You think of it as like an orchestra orchestra conductor. Mm -hmm. Your accomplishment is the team's accomplishment. And so, you know, there's this mind shift of, oh, I was so great as an individual contributor. And and now it's my team did this and it's all about we instead of I. Mm-hmm. And then when you move into, you know, a, some sort of VP role or director, you're managing other managers. So you're coaching them on how to get the most out of, you know, their their employees and their direct reports. So so it is. It's three different kind of mindset mindset shifts. And, you know, the different things to look out there are, you know, all the kind of the fundamentals of management, you know, the communication, the understanding motivation, being firm in decision-making and and doing it quickly, knowing that you can pivot and be willing to learn. You know, as a manager, I've been managing people for 20 something years. I learn something new every day. And (laughs) you have to be willing. You have to have that hunger for learning and, and, and doing more. And it's not just about when we say learning, that's a big bucket, but it's not just about technical skills. It's about learning about yourself. It's about learning how yes. to how to motivate people, what the difference, and you have to be curious 
as to what motivates one person versus, you know, that's not what motivates you, nor is it what motivates other people on the team. And I think the hardest thing that I see and the hardest thing I, I think is to help teach managers is to really appreciate that people are motivated by different things and to adjust their way of being with a person, of communicating with them, of leading them, influencing them, I'll say influencing them, as well as giving them constructive feedback, is that you have to, it's not about what you want to say, it's what you want them to hear. Yeah. So what goes along kind of with that is we talk about, you know, the golden rule is treat others how you want to be treated, which most people do. And, but as a manager, you have to actually follow what we call the platinum role, which is treat others how they want to be treated. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's hard as a manager because you have a team full of individuals (laughs) and they're all different. So you have to understand everyone's different personality and strengths and motivations and, and really be self-aware enough to are you getting across to that person and what do they need that's different from what you need and and how to really effectively communicate in in the most in the best way that they'll hear mm-hmm. like you said yeah and i and it's interesting because if you look at and I, I i often don't like you know boxes and whatnot but if you look at emotional intelligence there's the my self awareness and how i impact other individuals but there's also understanding others but as a as a manager it's not just about the one-on-one it's also about the team dynamics how do you think about having other people become self-aware and appreciate the different ways people are motivated the different ways that they need to have appreciation shown the the multiple definitions of what support looks like Mm -hmm. yeah and I like to use self as well personality assessments mm-hmm. and strengths assessments. And mm-hmm. then we go through those with our team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have this concept of a user manual where everyone kind of writes down how they work best in the in the workplace and like how they prefer to receive feedback. You know, I'm a D, so I'm very direct. And um, that's the DISC. Yeah. So that's yeah, a, if yeah, you wanted, I'm, yes, that's a DISC uh, assessment, right? Yeah. So for the DISC assessment, I'm a D. And so in my user manual, I kind of, you know, grab things out of there that I feel like, you know, everyone should know about me. You know, the best way to get hold of me is to text me or call me, come in my office. I have this love-hate relationship with email. (laughs) So put in in bullets and make it bold if you want me to read it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's things that it could take you six months to learn about working with someone. But if you write this user manual on how to work best with you or how you work best in the workplace, then you cut that time down to, to nothing. We've done this, the user manuals, and then we, you know, share them with our team. We've done it for a long time. And I, I did it with a man that I've worked with for a couple of years, but we just started doing them. And there were things I learned about him from his user manual that I would have never known. And in the two years of working with him, I never knew that was his pet peeve about <laughs> in the workplace. So I stopped doing that. But and what was a um, pet peeve? What was a pet peeve? <laughs> he likes to know things right away. So if I sugarcoat it at all, it's he wants to be direct and 
I'm usually pretty good. <laughs> they call me the velvet hammer, so maybe I was being a little too velvety. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But and but that's a conversation that we should be having, not yes, just with it, your manager, but you know, managers need to foster that in their teams, and I think that's really important when you're in either a hybrid situation or a remote situation. And hybrid is not just you know sometimes you're in the office and you have days out. But, you know, a lot of people who are, you know, they're just busy during the day because we, mm-hmm. you know, we sit in front of this machine here, this thing <laughs> called the computer, right? And we're talking to people either visually or not visually, et cetera. But we're, we spend a lot of times if you're in a management role. But the question becomes, you know, as we're coming to a point where we have to talk about individual growth and writing people's goals or assessing the goals, we really should be asking managers, what are they doing, not just to understand the motivations and you know how to appreciate your team individually as well as collectively, but also a question of what have you done so that the team understands what each other's motivations are and how they feel supported by their team members? Yes. And those are great questions for, you know, one-on-ones too. And then just also, you know, if you're not having team building activities, if you're not meeting, you know, kind of quarterly, we do quarterly offsites and we get so much out of those. It's just a a time to air, you know, elephants in the room or, you know, there's something about, I I was listening to your podcast the other day, actually, about feedback. (laughs) (laughs) It was really good. (laughs) I got some ideas. And, but you are saying that, you know, 60% of communication is in, you know, body language and 30% was in tone. And, that's something we should be training our managers on and cameras on people, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Cause you, you're not getting the right context if you're not getting the full context yeah. uh, and so much. And I think this is why I have a love hate relationship with email is the written word is hard yeah. and you might not be communicating the right tone, the right, you know, body language, so to speak. Uh, you know, through written communication. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that's that's, you know, and that's an important piece because in email, you might write something, but I assign the reader assigns tone and meaning to the message, which is why email often gets you know screwed up. Yes, or text or IMs yeah. or yes. Yeah. Um, and in the hybrid environment, you know, I like to say that you know if you're remote, then you need even more touch points then you're having in a physical office. So mm-hmm. you see each other in the water cooler, you may be passed by each other's office, those count as touch points. So how are you replacing those touch points when you're remote? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what you have to figure out as a manager to make sure they know that they're, they're still supported. And mm-hmm. so. You know, so now I'm an employee, let's, let's turn it to the other, this other side. Uh, there's another study that is starting to come up and emerge, more information is starting to emerge, where now it's not just a great resignation, but the great despair. So a lot of people jumped to new jobs because of money, because of the promise that it would be better, and they're actually regretting it. Mm. So I think it's called great regret. In fact, I think that is the, the what's emerging. Marketers ruin everything, right? They put a title on it and then suddenly we zap into that out of this. 
if you're in a situation where you're maybe your manager just, you know, isn't really good at managing the team per se from a how do we work together and what is the dynamics? I always I you know, when I talk to people and I talk to all kinds of people about their careers, I always say, I don't care what role you're in. You have to manage up and you have to manage sideways. So in some ways, you are actually are always a manager. And the one that I that makes me laugh is your field in terms of technology, because people who are technical experts really spend a lot of time and energy learning their craft to the deepest. And they love it, which is Mm -hmm. really, really great. But oftentimes when, when they get into a management role or they're a high performing individual contributor, when people push back or ask questions about a recommendation they make inside their head, it they think, well, I'm the expert. Why would you doubt me? Why yeah. would you be asking me these questions kind of thing? As we're talking about this, a lot of times we do spend a lot of time on managers. How do we help employees, not, even though they may have a title as manager, but that whole t- internal self-talk? I always say you got six people in your head, some of them yelling loud and you're not paying attention to them. And some of them are whispering at you and some of them are just, that's the only one you pay attention to, you know? (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) What can we do if the manager's not really good, but we really want to like make this a better place for me, I'm being selfish here. What can I do? And so one thing, I I truly don't think that it's selfish. So I think we can all be leaders, whether we have a title or not. And so you can influence other people. You can even kind of, and I I probably got to where I am because (laughs) I did this. (laughs) If someone's not leading well, I kind of just take over and do the things that need to be done anyway. So anyone can be a leader. Everyone should be a leader. I mean, there's, it's all around, you know, credibility, caring, uh, you know, the self-awareness and coaching. You can coach your manager as an individual contributor as if you do it in a respectful way and, you know, just manage up well. So, uh, you know, it's almost on, it's almost some of the employees responsibility too to help the manager. We have these little one-on-one cards that, that you can ask during a one-on-one. And one of the cards says, what can I do better as a manager? And I have, I have this great employee. He's so thoughtful and he's like, Oh, you do everything well, blah, blah, blah. You know, I love working here. I'm like, nope, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I want to get better. What? (laughs) Well, we'll revisit this next week. Think about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, those are great questions to, to ask as a manager, but then as an employee, you really have to answer those questions and because it helps the whole team get better. Yeah. And I really feel like as a manager, you have so much responsibility. So uh, as a manager, we kind of think you're kind of the the employees, <clears throat> excuse me, you're the employees, m- one of the m- employees, most influential person in their lives mm-hmm. next to their significant other or kids, family, because you control where they sit, how much they get paid, what they work on. So it's a huge responsibility. So if an employee, you know, has a, a not so great manager and they're always frustrated, well, what do you do when you're a frustrated employee? You go home, 
and you tell your significant other and your family about it, you're maybe in a bad mood for the rest of the evening, and then your family's in the room in a bad mood for the rest of the evening. So if we can make managers great, that can have a huge impact on the rest of the world. Yeah, and and it's interesting because some of the best managers understand what their strength is and their strength might not be in influencing others and team and culture and talent and making it such that everyone understands what motivates each other, et cetera. And I don't think that's any, you know, we don't have any problem saying, well, you know what, I'm not really good, but, you know, Alicia, you're really good at managing the budget. And we can, we carve that little piece off and Alicia becomes the budget person on my team. And mm-hmm. you know, I still have oversight over it, but you're the one that kind of keeps it, prepares it. We talk about it. And it's also a developmental opportunity for you. Yeah. I think it would be interesting and and also I'm not sure that we shouldn't be talking about, you know, if you're not that touchy-feely person, so people who are very direct or people who sometimes are very process-oriented, so you need time to think about the ideas that people are bringing to you, it's not, it's nothing wrong to say, you know, hey, if, if I'm someone who has to think about it, get it ahead, be that way, it's nothing to say, hey, if you pass it around the team, what does the team think about it? you know, get some feedback from them so that they're actually interacting with each other. And it's not so much you coming to me as the manager, but we're pulling the team together and using the collective thought of the team to do it. I also think sometimes that, you know, managers get reluctant because some people are considered poor performers, whatever that means in your organization. But even, you know, I I often say that even a broke clock is right twice a day. You just got to be watching when it's right, right? So poor performers are not poor performers on everything. They have ideas. Yes. And and so that's going back to kind of employees trusting their managers. You have to trust your manager to, uh, you know, be aware enough of their team, uh, you know, their strengths and personalities and how people work best together. Because maybe a certain employee is not a good fit for their team, that their certain need, that doesn't make them, you know, a poor performer. It just means that they're going to be more successful, maybe on a different team or in a different company. So I think managers also, you know, have a hard time letting people go. And sometimes you have to think of it as this is best for that person because they're not going to be successful here, but they will find and be successful somewhere else where they're able to use all their strengths and talents and uh, and skills. And it just might not be here. And then kind of also going back to, you know, the different things as, you know, as a manager, we all have things that we need to work on, you know, and I think laying those vulnerabilities out with your team and saying, hey, you can help me on this. I'm not perfect. Not even sure I want to be perfect. <laughs> uh, that's boring. But but I want to I want to get better, and I want you to help me. And if I had a manager say that to me, I mean, how powerful is that? Because then they can get vulnerable and say, "I'm having a really hard time with this project," you know, or let you know where they are with different, you know, things that they're working on, or where you can actually help them too. So we all want to get better. Yeah, what I hear us talking about is we really have to step back as managers and individuals 
and ask the question, you know, how do I want to show up? Mm-hmm. And also, how do I how do I define what being a leader and a manager is? Having all the knowledge, all the decision making, all the wisdom in the room is is a philosophy that has hung around for a very long time. It's changing, mm-hmm. but I would venture to guess that most people think that the manager is supposed to be all-knowing and perfect. And we all know that that's not true. And in fact, being perfect, as you said, actually blocks your ability to get to high performance. Right. I totally agree because really a manager's responsibility is to find the best players for their team and bring the best out of them. Mm So, you know, they're you need them to be creative. You're not going to have all the creative ideas. Sometimes you need them to to bring them to you. So your job is to foster an environment that allows them to be as creative as they can or, you know, whatever your specific department does. But Oh, well, you know, it always goes quicker than we want it to. And so... I am definitely that leadership nerd that could talk about this forever. <laughs> and thank you for doing so. <laughs> How can people get a hold of you? So you can reach me at manager360.com. Reach out through LinkedIn. So here's what I think you'll learn from this particular podcast. You'll learn some fundamental skills that all great managers and leaders have to master from motivating people to developing self-awareness. I hope you understand that there are three distinct tools. Think about that. Three things that you need to do as as a manager so that you can up your game in management. And we also talked about proven approaches to the key manager responsibilities from setting goals with employees to keeping people accountable and to attracting superstars to the team. And lastly, what we talked about was the dreaded being the perfect manager and how you can just kind of take that cloak off. And in doing so, there's value add for you to do it. So with that, you know what I'm going to say. If you like it, share it. If you don't, share it. Because I guarantee that it will cause a conversation where you will be able to find the one small step or the two small steps that will close the gap, get you from where you are now to where you really want to be. And with that, see ya. That's a wrap. And I'm Denise Cooper, and you've been listening to Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper. Let me thank my good friend, Ivan G. Hall, for the background music. I'd like to ask you to do three things. One, if you liked it, share it with your friends. Let's build up our community. Two, subscribe so that you don't miss when a new episode drops. And lastly, if you've got a question or comment, leave it below. I'd love to hear what you thought was good, what I could do better, and what topics you'd like to hear about. Let me thank my guests one more last time. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Bye.